Hello and welcome once again to Wellbeing. Appearing with me today is Samantha Martin. She's the Chief Executive Officer of New Sport at the University of Newcastle. And we're discussing the benefits to businesses in ensuring their employees are as healthy as possible. Samantha, thank you for giving us your time and coming in and talking to me. Perhaps you could start by explaining to us what New Sport is and how it fits into our program today. Uh, Iris New Sport or Newcastle University Sport is the organisation charged with the responsibility of um, managing sport and recreation and leisure on behalf of the University of Newcastle. So uh, a lot of uh, the the listeners would be familiar with the Forum Sports and Aquatic Centre, the Forum Health and Wellness Centre, which are two of our larger venues, but we also look after... Um, the ovals and um, we look after a number of other facilities both on and off campus and a number of activities as they relate to students of the uni, staff of the uni and, and, and the wider community. So we have a fairly fairly large portfolio. So it's open to, to everybody in actual fact? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, we have some dedicated student-based programs and certainly staff-based programs and activities, but the wider community are a large percentage of our 14,000 members, yes. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Mm. I, over um, 2007 calendar year, we had about 1.5 million visitations through new sport facilities. So it's um, nice to know that there are student staff and general community you know, undertaking lots of um, recreation and leisure-based activities at New Sport. What's the benefit to an employer to encourage their employees to get involved with corporate wellness? Well, it, it's estimated that the indirect costs of obesity, for example, cost Australian businesses um, about nine billion dollars each year. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of statistics about what are the costs to Australian businesses. It's significant at the end of the day. If your employees are not well, um, and whether that be physically, um, emotionally, etc., then there is a cost to the business. So there's a real advantage for an employer or an organisation to be investing in the in the well of their employees and also perhaps the, the, the extended family of that employee. So corporate wellness is simply benefits of the employees they gain from the employer because of this program. Yeah, and the programs, Iris, may be very different. They can be individualised to suit particular companies with particular issues. If absenteeism is an issue, then you'd be looking at ways to improve absenteeism. If uh, productivity was an issue, you'd be looking at initiatives, corporate wellness initiatives to improve productivity. But there's there's a range of customised approaches that, um, that an organisation can take to engage their employees and their families in this type of activity. But it's about a holistic approach to the employee. So just not looking after them maybe nine to five mm. at the time that they're at the workplace, but really thinking about the individual and the wellness of the individual outside their work engagement. I've just had the thought that could this also be construed as being time and motion studies if they're looking at wanting to improve their productivity? Yeah, look, I, I think so. A lot of the research that we do is with researchers here at the University of Newcastle and and we look at taking some type of assessment with it, with an individual. This is one part of the mm. program, for example, looking at taking some type of assessment with the individual as it relates to perhaps blood pressure, 
blood glucose, body composition, and maybe um, waist circumference, which are all really good measures to, to, to begin with, to see how an employee may be managing these silent risk factors. And then you would be measuring any improvements or otherwise against those factors plus others in terms of, of, of improvements in lifestyle. So, so lots of research has gone into how you also quantify some type of return on investment in this. Do many large companies take up this program for the benefit of their employees? Yeah, that's a very, really good question. Um, increasingly, yes. Uh, I think that there is um, a, a message within the community now about the importance of wellness. You know, it, it, there's always been the importance of, say, managing your finances or, you know, managing your family now. It's also about managing your own health. And it's not necessarily about aesthetics. It's merely about being functional and being able to do the day-to-day things better, you know, mm. picking up children children or um, bending bending over and, and, and picking up boxes or, you know, um, maybe running from one venue to the next. So, yeah, lots of large companies are picking up on sort of customising programs to suit their employees. And that could be, Iris, a range of things, a range of things that they may talk uh, or they may put together as corporate wellness programs. The employees that get involved with these programs, do they tend to do better if they do it as a group rather than as an individual? Yeah, well, I think what you find is if there's any level of accountability, then then there, there tends to be a better result at the end of the day. So if you are meeting up with a group or meeting up with a trainer um, and or you're taking a log of, you know, what you're doing mm. and, and, and what type of activity um, you have done over a particular week, then that level of accountability does ordinarily produce much better results. So if people start off, and, and I guess we all do this, that, oh, yes, oh, you know, I'm going to get in and I'm going to swim, walk, whatever, and then after a little while something happens and you don't get there, if people lose that enthusiasm... Can they go back and start again or if they've dropped out, are they dropped out? They'll be able to re-engage mm. and you can do that whether you're on a corporate wellness-based program or, for example, if you were just attending a gymnasium, you're able to re-engage and I would say that take the opportunities of um, um, having revised programs and or um, having assessments along the way. They, they all keep, they're just small goals that keep you on track mm. and if you do drop off, that's just normal, just experience to, you know, most people do. Then it's just a matter of saying, well, I'll, I'll start again, small steps, start again and uh, re-engage um, and almost get back on the horse again, yes. Mm. Do you usually find that, and I'm talking about the bigger companies at the moment, that they tend to schedule their working hours so that their employees can get in and do something about their overall health? Yes, look, some employers do. They either have they have work-based um, activity. They might have, for example, you know, yoga at lunchtime for the employees. Mm-hmm. They might also have other initiatives whereby it be healthy eating. So they might supply um, employees with some nice fresh fruit and and um, and healthy sandwiches for lunch. They might have an on-site gymnasium. Uh, they may have flexible working hours so that you could start a little later and finish a little later, and or use your lunchtime to undertake some type of activity. So there, there is a real sense and a theme emerging amongst employers that they are offering that level of flexibility also as a way to retain good employees and a way to differentiate their organisation from one that might be around the corner by undertaking this sort of flexible approach. How long has it been recognised that these programs do benefit everyone? I mean, not just the 
the person taking the exercise, but the the companies as well. It's it's been a slow uptake in Australia. For example, in the United States, corporate wellness programs have um, been a, a very important part of what employers offer for a long while. Um, for a number of reasons. One may be that the tax framework is quite different. There's a number of incentives applied for employers if they are undertaking some um, uh, corporate wellness employee initiatives. So it, it's slow off the mark in Australia, but look, there's, we, we partner with an organisation um, that is uh, national, uh, HealthWorks National, and they've been doing this now for nearly 30 years. So it's, it's, um, it's been around in Australia for a while. I think now that the message in the community is that you really need to be looking after your health, employers and large organisations are, are picking up on that message a little more. I remember years ago that BHP had um, a program going where the men particularly were encouraged to decrease their waistline and you'd often see groups of fellas wandering around the, the town or on the foreshore or whatever it happened to be. They're the sorts of things that we're actually talking about now, those sorts of initiatives? Yeah, quite right. Specialised programs, it may involve some type of exercise, but it'll also involve some type of education. It might be about extending into nutrition or extending into sleeping well or managing stress. So it's a very holistic approach to, to, to wellness, a little bit of exercise, a little bit of information, on on um, nutrition, but also how to sleep well, how to how to manage stress. They would be two of, of some of the popular seminars that that um, that New Sport does. You're listening to Wellbeing, and today I'm talking with Samantha Martin. Samantha, let's take it that the employees have agreed to take part in the wellness program. Would they have an individual program set out for them, or would they simply be part of a group, or does both things happen? Iris, both things usually happen. Uh, a, a, a typical a typical corporate wellness program would include a number of micro initiatives. So you might have healthy heart checks, which are individual based initiatives that measure for silent risk factors. For example, you may have a couple of seminars per year that might be on sleeping sleeping better and managing stress or food fix for winter, for example, which is a nutritional based mm. seminar. And then you might have a group based activity. So um, the global corporate challenge for example at the moment that the University of Newcastle and other corporate organisations are doing worldwide is a, a, a joint based initiative that measures your steps via a, a pedometer mm. which is a really fantastic initiative and, and then you log you log in all of your results and um, and you can see then um, uh, competition worldwide how, mm. how, how you're going so it's a wonderful initiative corporate wellness packages usually involve a range of those initiatives depending on what the employer sees as um, as, as the main goals for the program. Mm. So if they were started off with having the, the checks, as you mentioned about the healthy heart, where are those records kept? Are they kept within the company or with the people organising the exercise? Yeah, sure. All, all of the, the privacy legislation is observed so that the company would receive a population-based report. So not, not specifics mm. about the individual, but they would have a report that would indicate who is in high, medium and low risk, mm. uh, uh, depending on the factors that were measured, and give the corporation some type of idea about where to from here. Mm. Individually, that would be discussed um, in a very confidential and sensitive type of arrangement that you have 
with the individual on the day. So if there is um, referrals that need to be made for, to, to, you, to your GP, then we would make referrals on the day. We work really closely with, um, with the medical profession to make sure that all of those allied health professionals work together in the one direction with these corporate wellness programs. And in amongst the programs, would there be people like dietitians come in to explain the benefits or otherwise of what people are eating? And, yeah, and- quite. Quite right. Um, we, we would draw on um, specialists in particular areas. For example, Health Expos is a is a, a large component of our corporate wellness program as well for some of our corporate providers, mm-hmm. and that is maybe say twelve to fifteen different stalls that. Employees could visit to get maybe a massage, podiatry. Um, it might be a range of different um, health professionals that we'd bring together in a in a corporate expo type arrangement. So we do draw on a lot of specialists in this area. I'm just wondering, and I'm probably speaking from just personal experience, but I don't suppose there's many of us that appreciate the fact that these things are or can be available, like. The, the expo where you would go for a massage and, and then be able to follow those up. Maybe it's because it's a silent thing yes. within the community that we're not hearing so much about them. It's within the company rather than within the community that we get to hear about these things. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And that, that, that message, I think, is slowly permeating um, wider, assisted by you know, community messages about the importance of moving and the importance of, of eating well. And I think there's an increased recognition, but you're right, it's slow. And you mentioned earlier on about some of the companies, particularly I think you said in, in America, where the families get involved as well. So what you're suggesting, I take it, is that not only do the employees become involved with some sort of health fitness thing, but they can bring the kids along and, and get them involved as well so it becomes a family thing. Uh, quite right. I think um, it, it's a little different in the States, certainly with health insurance as mm. well. Um, so there, there are some uh, different structures in place with health insurance and with, with tax concessions. But certainly here in Australia, you'll see that um, it's it's not traditionally work time, which is quite separate to family time, which mm. is quite separate then to maybe you know, study mm. time, for example. Um, a lot of that now merges together. And we see, for example, our couples and our families membership as one of the, the, the most frequently used memberships where families bring the kids in to do undertake some type of activity while, you know, m- maybe mum and dad go and do something else. So, mm. yeah, it, it can be real quality time with the family as, as well. And I guess if they start the kids off young enough, they simply grow up with that and and accept it as part of their lifestyle. Quite right. And I think that yeah. that's the key, that it, it's sustainable and the kids see it then as a, as a, as a fun part of what they do and it mm. just becomes a, a, a part of their lifestyle. We mentioned earlier about stress. If it's noted that some of the staff are becoming stressed, do they have the chance to go and seek a counsellor or is the handling stress more from the physical point point of view? Yeah, certainly. Most big organisations have some type of employee assistance provider, which would be um, 
you know, part of part of this wider corporate approach, corporate wellness approach, and you would find that that's a very good referral system. Um, so that if something does does come up that is is beyond m- managing through activity or changing a diet plan, mm. then you'd be able to refer them on to a specialist in that area. But um, a lot of the symptoms as they relate to stress can be improved with some type of um, a, you know program of activity and uh, and and something that's sustainable. So a combination of both mm. in answer to that question. I've heard it said that squash is a very good game because you can belt a ball good and hard, which <laughs> help relieve some of the stress. <laughs> and I've seen that happen. Yeah. When we get back to, you mentioned sleeping. So I, I guess if they become more, more active in their lifestyle, which releases maybe the stress and everything else, then their sleep usually comes in as a follow-on from that. Their sleeping pattern improves. If it doesn't, is there something that can be done about that within that program? Yeah, there certainly is. And again, we'd probably use our referral network Mm. with those really individualised cases. Um, So that has come up before, yes, and and we do this uh, seminar called Sleep Well. And talks about how much sleep and quality sleep and all the phases that you, you actually go through in terms mm. of your sleep and, um, and, and the importance of activity and, um, good nutrition in benefiting mm. good quality sleep. So yeah, we certainly use our referral network in, in an individualized case like that. And if the company has suggested to an employee, on a one-to-one basis, look, we think you'd do better if you were a bit more active and we would like you to go to new sport for the sake of argument. Does the report then go back to the employer which says this person is picking up and doing very well or alternatively they're not turning up? Mm. Does that breach the privacy thing or is that part of the employment thing? Yes, the level of reporting isn't structured like that and and you're right um it's based on visitations and it's not based on individuals visitations that's something that is discussed with your trainer and it's dealt with at that level so the the employer receives information but it's consistent with the privacy act and also it, it it's it's really information that is population based so all of the individual um work is done between you and and your trainer and um the plans that you set out to um, to achieve over the period of the program are individual plans that um, that only those two people are privy to. All right. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and I'm talking today with Samantha Martin. Samantha, we've been talking about the benefits to companies of encouraging their workers to keep fit and thus improve production. But how about these companies go about setting up a program Initially, you know, how do they go about it? Do they have a, a central body that they apply to? Um, this morning, Iris, for example, I, I thought a, a very good initiative um, that looks after small to medium businesses in this area because we've been talking lots about large enterprises, but who looks after sort of small to medium businesses? The Hunter Business Chamber has actually put a, together, a, it's called a healthy business program. So its members lots of them uh, small to medium-sized companies, would look to the chamber then to organise and manage a program on behalf of its members. So, you know, the, the, I suppose the collective the collective approach mm. rather than the individual members needing to engage um, at that corporate wellness level, they've looked to an association like a peak body like the mm. chamber to do so. 
Are there any other organisations like the chamber, I mean, local chambers, can they pick it up and run with it too? Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and that would be a very good network to work through mm. um, given that it's already been developed and um, is being implemented currently, so a, a very good network to tap into. So if we've got, for example, a mum and dad business, bakery, retail business or something, they would go to their local chamber and say, look, a couple of us are interested in this, we want to go from there. Can that be arranged by the local chamber or would they need to go to, in our case, um, the hunter chamber? Well, I would in the first instance, if the relationship exists between them and their local chamber, I would... I would be taking that to the local chamber as a as an issue that would improve mm. their their business and their bottom line and the health of their employees, and then I'd be looking at um, the local chamber, sort of raising that with um, a, a group that would be like the Hunter Business Chamber and tapping into something that's already been established. I think that'd be a really good pathway. If if we take that one step further and we've got a, a small business who are not for whatever reason involved in a chamber of commerce, can they initiate that themselves through, for example, through New Sport? Certainly, and that they could they could make contact with an organisation like New Sport and say, okay, well, what have you got in terms of um, here are our needs, and what have you got by way of corporate wellness initiatives that could could suit our needs and and a number of different quality providers would be able to do that certainly qualified and experienced staff are very important in in this particular type of initiative and your ability to tap into a wider network of specialists if there is an area in which you you need to refer someone on Mm. so they would be two very important important criteria if you were looking at approaching perhaps an, an organisation that looks after um, the health and wellness of individuals, you'd be looking at those two cri- key criteria as um, sort of non-negotiables to start yeah. with, yes. Now, we've talked about the, the local one here in Newcastle, but obviously there's got to be organisations that are similar throughout the country, certainly throughout the state. Where would an employer go to find that first initiative? A couple of different methods. They could go to perhaps a provider that was conveniently located. So if they had a business at one end of the road and there was a um, a reputable um, maybe Fitness Australia member, there's mm. certainly a number of um, key criteria that an institution needs to meet if they're a Fitness Australia member by ways of code of conduct and guidelines. Um, they would perhaps approach them because they are convenient and they are a Fitness Australia member, for example. Mm. Or alternatively, they would be, I would imagine, part of a wider network, whether that be a a chamber of commerce, whether that be some type of networking group or whether that be um, some other type of business association, then I would be looking at maybe approaching that larger group mm-hmm. that represents the um, the interests of a, of a larger amount of stakeholders and bringing up this type of initiative with them to see what they could perhaps organise on their behalf for them and their other members. Now, because often we get listeners who do not live within the boundaries of a big city, this availability is open to them as well in a small 
country town or as you know a small town well certainly i think now um they you know if they've got access to the web for example that you can often do a number of programs put them on the web and they'll be able to you know have a look at what what needs to be done on any particular day they can even log some of their results i know that um that that's done quite widely now certainly with with our um, partner with healthworks they do that so yeah there's a number of different ways quite easy ways that you'd be able to tap into getting the good quality information and then also that level of accountability back even if you are in a remote location. Now we've talked about the benefits of, of being involved in this. What about the cost? What sort of fee is involved and is it paid by the employer or the employee in general? Yeah sure uh, there's usually some type of contribution by the employee. Uh, certainly uh, they, they place a value on it the employee and then also the, mm. the employer places a value on it so often it is cross subsidised and again um, you know you'd be looking at um, uh, tax wise as an employer mm. you'd be looking at tax wise what is achievable by way of um, fringe benefits tax and, and what mm. isn't so you'd need to take some advice on that a number of the programs though are fringe benefits tax exempt and or otherwise if they meet certain criteria mm. so um, that's all sort of the detail the devil's in the detail yeah but initiatives start from they could start from fifty dollars so a healthy heart check that measures for example, those four silent risk factors, mm. they could start for f at $50. And if you move, statistically, if you move from a high-risk category to a medium-risk category or medium-risk to low-risk, mm. you can save in the vicinity of $2,500 per annum in absenteeism and, and, and productivity costs with an investment of $50. So it's, it, it, it can be very affordable, but they also can be very elaborate, depending on the needs of the, co of mm. the corporation. Do the health fund people, do they cover the cost of anyone going into gyms and fitness situations? Mm. Are they covered by health funds? Yeah, often they, they are and there's different levels of cover depending on um, uh, who you're with and at what level you're engaged. But I'd certainly be checking uh, what incentives exist private health-wise, mm. um, for initiatives like this, there often is um, quite an incentive for individuals if they do do their homework in the first, in, in the first mm. instance. Let's assume that someone's been involved with a fitness program with their employer and then for some reason leaves the job. Because they were initially put into it by the employee, can they then take it up on their own basis just to continue that program? Yeah, and you often find that, Iris, that um, that uh, if, if for some reason you have left a, a, an employer and moved on to another employer that hasn't necessarily got the same structured program, often it's become such a lifestyle by then mm. that um, it, it's not a chore to undertake, certainly. It's um, it's just part of what they do mm. and it's part of what they program into their week, week in and week out. And that's, that's when they get some excellent results. So I think it's just the consistency. And it doesn't have to be, you know, slogging away at mm. it day in, day out. It can, be as, uh, it can be as incidental as three or, you know, three times ten minutes um, that yet you might do throughout the mm. day, parking the car a little bit further away from, from the employer. It might, you know, there's small little initiatives mm. that you can put in place that aren't taxing at all. And I guess if you take that one step further, if the employee has moved out and gone to a, an employer who doesn't have a health fitness thing, then they can sort of say, well, you know, we used to do this and this was the benefit and take it on that way as well. Quite right. I, I, I think that often um, employers, as I said, are looking at this as a way to differentiate themselves in the employment market um, 
and, and also, you know, strategically, a lot of um, employers have in their in their plans now um, the fact that they value their staff and they 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 value the role that the staff play, and they're backing it up now with initiatives like this. Mm-hmm. So strategically, it's really embedded in their plans for the organisation as well. Samantha, thank you for coming in and talking to us and giving us some background in, into something that. I suppose if you're not into the workforce, you don't really think about. So thank you for your time and thank you for telling us the the information you've given us. Thank you, Iris. You've been listening to Wellbeing and my guest today has been Samantha Martin. She's the CEO of New Sport at the University of Newcastle. I hope you've enjoyed the program and until we meet again, this is Iris Nichols on behalf of the team wishing you well.